Thanks for listening to the GFBC Student Ministry Podcast. Our goal through these podcasts is that you would grow your faith, build relationships, and mature as a believer in Christ. Now, here's the conversation. What's going on, guys? I'm here with Josh Moody, the man, the myth, the legend. What's up, Josh? Hey, man. How y'all doing? I'm good. How are you? How you been? Uh, good. It's a little warm outside and in my car like we just talked about, but uh, all good. Man, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, who are we hearing from? So, uh, yeah, my name is Josh Moody. I've Me and my wife, Kim, uh, have been at Gardendale First Baptist for almost 16 years now. Um, and we have six children. Uh, Ella, Avery, and Addie are all in the student ministry. Um, Ella and Avery will be sophomores. Gardendale this year, Addie will be a seventh grader. And then we have Stephen and Mark, who are at Gardendale Elementary, and then Gaines, who's here at the uh, at the preschool. Um, I work for Lifeline Children's Services. Uh, I work for their unadopted ministry and 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 really work with international partners uh, all over the world, um, really in in orphan care and just to to equip the church to to care for orphans and get the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. My wife works for the city of Gardendale. Um, we live here in Gardendale. We love it, and that's about it. Well, hey, that's awesome, man. Let's go ahead and jump into the topic. So today we're going to be talking about missions and the Great Commission. So, Josh, like, tell us what the Great Commission is and why is it so important? Um, I mean, you know, the Great Commission is referring, obviously, to Matthew chapter 28, where uh, where Jesus tells his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, it's... It's important because of, of, of all the ministry um, that, that Jesus did on this earth and, you know, in the, in the three years of ministry where he was with his disciples and all of the things uh, that he said and all of the miracles he performed and, and, and all of that, uh, this is the last thing that he said, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the last thing the book of Matthew records Jesus saying. And, and so it's kind of like he, he almost saved the best, best for last. I mean, he, he gives us this commission. He tells these disciples uh, to to go and make other disciples, um, and I think I think the reason that it's so important, and I guess the reason it's such a uh, let's rephrase that and say it's such a privilege is uh, is because he doesn't need us to do that. Like uh, God can do whatever He wants to, but but the reason the Great Commission is so important is because it's it's a privilege, right? I mean, it's God, the 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 God and King and the Creator of the universe. Uh, is capable of doing all things himself, but he gives us the privilege to to go and make disciples and and to tell people the good news about about what he's done through Jesus. And so, I mean, that's uh, it, it's kind of like he in his in his earthly ministry here, he kind of saved the best commandment for last. He gave us all these things, and then he says, "Now you go and make disciples of all nations." So. That's awesome, man. What a great privilege it is. So how does the Great Commission relate to missions? Uh, I mean, it's, it's you know, we, we, we call it um, the Great Commission. We call it missions. I mean, it, it's kind of the same thing. The mission is the same. We are to go and make disciples, right? I mean, uh, we... We have the good news of the gospel. Um, we have uh, the 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 greatest news in the history of mankind. In that 
we are sinners. We have been separated from God. Um, but in his love and mercy, he sent Jesus who lived a perfect life. He died the death and took the punishment we deserve. And then he rose from the dead. And so we, we have that knowledge as, as believers. We have that, uh, that truth. And, and now it's really, uh, I guess when we say the term mission, that's our mission is to make that known and to make the good news of, of the gospel known, um, not only in Gardendale, but really among all nations. Man, obviously you are very involved in missions throughout our church and just not only short-term mission trips, but long-term mission trips. So I guess like describe what moving to another country was like for you and your family and what kind of struggles did you face? Um, in, in one word, you can, you could call it terrifying. Uh, I mean, we're, we're taking, we, we lived, um, for about two and a half years in Northern Uganda, um, out in the bush. And when I say the bush, I mean, we were literally, we were about 35 miles from the closest town and, and, uh, and we were out in the middle of a village. I mean, that's where our ministry was located. And so you take me and my wife and, and six children at the time. We had a you know an eighteen month old, so so we had a baby and I mean we're going to a place where malaria kills thousands and thousands of people every year. We're going to a place where, you know, diseases that we don't know anything about are, are rampant. Um, you're going to a place where uh, up until about 10 years ago um, was just the, 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 the battleground for a brutal civil war that lasted almost 25 years. And uh, where, we, where we located to um, up until about six, seven years ago was, was completely empty because the rebel army had, had run everybody off. Um, and so it was, it was scary. I mean, it was, uh, people thought we were crazy. We had, uh, friends and we even had family members say, oh, we don't think that you're hearing the Lord, right? Like, we don't really think this is what you're being called to, which that was, that almost made me laugh. But, um, it, it was scary because, uh, because of the unknown. Um, but at the same time, man, it was, it was exciting. Um, we, we got to go and experience, um, just incredible, incredible stuff. I mean, I, I, I kept telling our kids over and over again, as many hardships and struggles as we went through, um, I said, you're going to look back on this in 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road and just, just think about all the incredible things that God did. Uh, some of the struggles, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, we were, we were isolated. We were out. There was one other family living with us. Uh, or living on our on our compound, one other American family, and the rest were were uh, were Ugandans. Uh, we loved the people that we worked with, but um, but it's still it's not what you're used to, right? I mean, we we missed our church, man. We would uh, we actually had internet out where we were, surprisingly enough, and and we would live stream some of the services, and you know I'd look over and, and my wife would be in tears because because she missed. Uh, fellowship and community that we had here, and it's 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 not the same um, when you're when you're in a foreign country and you you don't speak the language very well, and there's cultural barriers and everything else, and so that was probably the hardest part is is just um, just just being uh, kind of isolated out where we were. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of lot of struggles and, and tensions came with that. Man, I know the transition with food had to be hard. I know for me, I can't survive without my Milo's, my my burgers, my sweet tea. So, man, what was the one thing you missed the most? Um, as far as food? 
as far as food? Well, you you can ask my kids, and it would be Chick Fil A, hands down. I, I remember um, kind of a funny story. We had a uh, we had been there about a year and a half, um, and we had a, a mission team come over. And it was there was a young lady on the team, and and bless her heart, you know they'd been there about six seven days, and she said, when I get back to the Atlanta airport, the first thing that I'm doing is going to Chick Fil A. I hadn't had Chick Fil A in a week, and uh, I think it was Avery that looked at her just as stone faced as she could be, and she said, I haven't had Chick Fil A in eighteen months, and and the girl was like, oh oh sorry. So I mean that that was probably it. We we talked. For about three months, I think, coming up before we came home on furlough, that was kind of the topic of conversation around the dinner table was, what are we going to eat when we first get back into the country? And I was thinking about a big old steak or you know, something, It was, but it turned out to be Chick-fil-A. So mm. that, was, that was the first meal we ate when we came back. That's awesome, man. How do we fulfill the Great Commission where we are today? I know not everybody is going to go on a mission trip. Uh, they may not have the funds or the ability to go. So how do they fulfill the Great Commission where they are right now? Yeah, that, that's, a, um, that's an incredibly important question because, because we, we tend to think um, a lot of times about, okay, if, if God didn't call me to move overseas or if God didn't call me on a, on a mission trip, I don't feel uh, the Holy Spirit pulling me in that direction. So clearly I'm not, I'm not called to the Great Commission. And that's, that's not true. I mean, as, as a Christ follower, all believers, first of all, are commanded to go and make disciples. But second of all, we should, we should want to go and make disciples. I mean, that's what we were talking about a minute ago. Um, I mean, we, we have the greatest news in the history of all mankind. And so if we're not just like busting at the seams to tell somebody, uh, then, then we have we have problems. We need to we need to reevaluate some things. Um, I would say, uh, how do we fulfill the Great Commission? I mean, locally, uh, I, I love that our church has across the street and around the world because I mean, locally, I, I think you fulfill the Great Commission by by making disciples where you are, whether that's in your school, uh, whether that may even be in your home. I mean, there there may be some some students or whatever whose whose mom and dad are not believers. Um, so so we we make disciples where we are, but on a on a global scale, even if God hasn't called you. Uh, to 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 go all overseas on a mission trip, whether short term, long term, we can still pray. Uh, I mean, there's there's apps, there's websites like JoshuaProject.net uh, where it will list people groups across the planet who have never heard the name of Jesus before. And if you're not called to go to them, we can all pray for them. And so uh, you may be be praying for the the, the Reefy Berber of, of Morocco or, or whatever the case may be, or the, the Han people group of China. Um, whether or not we ever set foot in China, we can still pray uh, that God will make his gospel known in China. So, I mean, you can, you can go... Um, you can pray, and then we can put our faith into action right here where we live every day. Awesome, man. Awesome. Those are great three-tip sermon, man. You should just touch on that one Sunday when Pastor Kevin asked you to preach. So what was the most memorable moment from your mission trip? So like this touched my heart in a great way, or like it could be funny, anything. Um. There's there's one uh, one particular instance I think that that sticks out um, in my mind, and we we actually had not been there very long. We had been there a couple of months, 
um, and we went to to visit. Uh, our ministry had what we called a child development program. And so we would take at-risk children, vulnerable children, and it was like a sponsorship program. People in the States could sponsor kids. And so we were going on a home visit. There was an elderly grandmother who was caring for two children, um, and the lady was blind. And, I mean, just they lived way out in the bush, and we had to walk down a path to get to her house. And she comes up, and she's just, she's just filthy, dirty, right? And, and our whole family's there. I think, as a matter of fact, I think it was the 4th of July, because uh, we were going to go visit her and then kind of go back and, and celebrate uh, back at our at our compound, and so we we go to uh, we go to her house and she comes in from her field and she's dirty she can barely see she's almost blind, and our our youngest son Gaines was about what was he about eighteen nineteen months at the time a little little bitty baby and I mean just kind of barely toddling around. And he has this bleach blonde Malibu surfer kid hair, long, you know. He sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, he's he's like this little cotton top white kid in the middle of northern Uganda. And the woman sees him and and she she kind of smiles and she says, Oh, this you know, she's speaking Luo, which is the, the language they speak there, but she was saying, Oh, this baby, you know, he's so beautiful. And she reaches her hands out for him to, to come to her. And I'm like, this is going to be bad because, like, he's going to turn and cry and scream and run the other way, and it's going to offend her, and this is this is not going to go well. And he looks up at her just dirty, and, and she's, you know, her eyes are, are a little weird looking because she was, she was half blind, and, and, uh, and he has this big old grin on his face, and he just runs to her and grabs her. And, and I'll never forget the words she said. She said, um, even though I was dirty, he came to me anyway. And... I wrote a blog post about that because that that one scene, man, to me was just a, an amazing image of the gospel, right? I mean, even though we're dirty, even though we're filthy, broken sinners, God comes to us when He when He doesn't have to, and uh, so that was just something that that kind of stuck out, man. We've got all kinds of cool stories and stuff like that, but that was that was a really really neat moment. How have Mark and Stephen impacted your life and your impact on missions? Uh, those two little knuckleheads, um, I mean, they, they, they literally changed the course of our family. I mean, 2010, we got introduced to, um, a baby home there in Uganda and, and I don't have time for the whole story, but we adopted them in 2011 and I'd honestly never heard, I had heard of the, the country of Uganda before then, but I, I couldn't point to it on a map. Like I knew it was in Africa, but I didn't know where, um, and so through our, I mean, Kim, Kim worked with the baby home over there a lot, Sunrise Baby Home. Several, several people at our church are familiar with it. And, uh, and we, we just kind of got involved with them. We ended up adopting the boys. Um, and, but, but really through, through their adoption, we, we became close friends with a lot of people in Uganda. A lot of our Ugandan friends were there. And, and God, not only through that whole process, gave us, I mean, two amazing. Well, they're they're turning into young men. They're not really little boys anymore, uh, but two amazing young men. But he also he, he burdened our hearts for the people of Uganda. Like, not many people go and visit Uganda, 
and come back and say, oh, I don't ever want to go back again. I mean, it's, it's an amazing country. The people are incredible. It's, it's called the Pearl of Africa because it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Um, and, and so God just, I mean, he just broke our hearts for the people of Uganda. And we, we love them. We love being there. Um, that turned into a, maybe we're supposed to move over there for a while, you know, and, and we said for a while, it was as long as God wanted us there. And, um, so really I, I say all that to say their adoption really kind of put the wheels in motion and, and God set a place in our hearts, uh, for the country of Uganda and, uh, and the rest is kind of, you know, history, I guess. The rest is history. So going on that, why don't you think people see the great commission as their true purpose? Because I think we pick and choose. Um, we we pick and choose what we like that, that Jesus said that fits our lifestyle. Um, where it says, love your neighbor. Okay, well, I don't mind doing that one. You know, where he says, um, go and take care of the poor. Okay, well, that gets a little sketchy, but maybe I can do that too. It's, it's the uncomfortable ones that we don't like to... We like to kind of say, well, that's optional. I mean, we, we kind of think of Scripture in the New Testament and, and the commandments that, that Christ gave us and the commandments we see in the New Testament. We see them kind of like a buffet. I'll take a little bit of that one. I'll have some of that one. I don't really like that one, so I'm going to leave it alone. That's not my calling. I mean, we, we I think the word calling is way overused in the church because um, I can find something that I don't really want to do, and, and I, I, I put it under, oh, that's not my calling. And there's a, a time and a place for that, um, but the Great Commission is not uh, uh, and or. I mean, the Great Commission is a it's, it's what we do. I mean, as believers, the Great Commission ought to be our lifeblood. Like like we desire to see people come to faith in Christ. And it, and again, it goes back to the the gospel itself. I mean, if we're not telling people. And if we're not making disciples, then then we have to ask ourselves: Do we really do we really believe it ourselves? I mean, do we really believe that Jesus coming, dying, and 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 rising again is the greatest news in all of, of history? Because if we do, then then we're going to tell people. I, I I told somebody it's and and you guys may have heard this kind of analogy before. It's kind of like if I have uh, the 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 cure for cancer, and I take it and and put it in my desk drawer and lock it. And, and I'm like, well, if I ever get cancer, then I've got it there. But if, if I possess that knowledge, if I possess that cure, and I don't tell other people, I'm just a terrible person, right? I mean, and that, that's kind of the way the gospel works. If we really believe that the gospel message is the best news uh, that's ever been, been proclaimed, then why are we not telling everybody we know, right? Mm, that's, that's deep, and that's true. So... There's there's people out there that are thinking about going on mission trips, and they end up deciding not to, maybe because they think they don't know enough, or even not even going on mission trips, but just sharing the gospel with their friends at school. So, how can you prepare biblically to share the gospel? Um, I mean, obviously, you, you you've got to be in God's word. I mean, that's. But again, if, if if we're Christ followers, then we should you know we should desire to be in God's word. I think a, a, a misconception is that, well, I'll share my faith once I know enough or once I understand enough, and you know that that's not necessarily the case. You see in uh, the Gospel of 
Mark or Luke, I can't remember which one, where, where Jesus heals the blind man. And, and the Pharisees call the blind man before the council, and, and they're like, you know, what, what happened to you? We know that, we know that you were blind. What, you know, what, what's going on? And, and they don't believe that Jesus actually healed him. And the blind man just goes, look, I don't know what happened. I can't tell you what happened, but all I know is that once I was blind and now I can see. That's all I know. And, and I think when we come to faith in Christ, we don't, we don't have to wait um, until we can, we can quote the book of Philippians before we start to explain the gospel to somebody. We don't have to wait until we have gone through an 18-month discipleship course before we start making disciples. We say, look, this is what, this is what I know. I was a sinner. This is, this is what I was doing. God changed me. God saved me. Because of what Christ did on the cross, I'm now forgiven and redeemed, and here's what you can do. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that, and, and so we, we don't need to hide behind the fact that, oh, I don't, I don't know enough, I don't have a theology degree, I don't, I've never been to seminary, I don't... Nobody else in the New Testament did either, right? I mean, Jesus took 12 guys, and he radically changed their lives, and they just went and told people. So, so going based off that, we, you touched a little bit on it there, but like, is there a such a thing as not knowing enough. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't know that. That I think when you when you understand uh, the truth of the gospel, you you know enough to understand and, and to and to share the gospel and to share your faith. I, I mean, now that being said, we're we're in a lifelong process of sanctification, and so we should never get to a point where you go, well, I know enough now, so I, I don't need to study anymore. I don't need to read my Bible anymore. Um, so so we're, we're constantly seeking and constantly wanting to grow in our faith and, and become more and more mature believers. Uh, but... I also think that once we take hold of the basic truths of the gospel and 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 God softens our heart because He's the one that does it, right? I mean, He He's the one that softens our heart. It's not an amount of knowledge that we have to attain before we're saved. God softens our heart. We repent and believe, and, and then I, I think we go and tell people what 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 has happened to us. All all the while, we're we're studying and growing deeper in our faith and, and becoming more and more knowledgeable. Okay, so what what would you say to a student who is thinking about going on a long-term mission trip, or any mission trip it, for that at all? What would you say to encourage them to go or to not go? Um, I would say go. <laughs> I, I, would, I would, this is the, the missionary in me speaking, I would default to go. Um, I, I used to, I was the guy that, that never wanted to live, I didn't even want to travel overseas on a vacation like America has everything that I need I don't I don't need to go anywhere I don't want to see the world in 2010 I, I took my first mission trip um, I was almost pushed into it by my wife because I was terrified to go and she kind of coaxed me into going to Port-au-Prince Haiti about three weeks after the earthquake and it completely changed my life. I mean, it, God showed me how the majority of the world lives. Like, we think that everybody lives like Americans, and, and they don't. Um, but he really kind of showed me, gave me a burden for the nations, and, and kind of broke my heart for the nations. And um, that began a just a, a, a kind of a movement in my heart that the Lord continued to work on over the next uh, five or six years. But, but I would say... Um, you know, if you're a student considering a mission trip, I, I think everybody should go. I mean, it's, it's something obviously you pray about, you talk with your parents about. Um, 
one thing I would say is to to the to the young person that's saying I, I want to go, but I, I just don't have the money to. Um, God always, always, always provides for what He favors. Uh, I've never had a trip come up or or any kind of um, missions opportunity come up where we weren't able to get the money somehow. I mean, it, that's not to say that we had it every time, but but it just, I mean, that, that's part of the cool thing about missions is that, you know, you, you may have a heart to go, and you may say, God, I, I want to go, but I just don't have the money. Well, other people may not can go, but they have the money to give. And so you begin to see all the, all the parts of the body of Christ working together. Some send, some go, some pray, some are blessed financially. You know, and, and so um, to, to the student that is considering or kind of teetering on the edge, I would, I would 100% say pray about it and go. Mm. That's my short answer. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people usually they're looking, you touched on this a little bit as well, but we're just going to go back to it. Uh, God's calling me to go somewhere. A lot of people are looking to the heavens and being like, God, if I, if you're calling me to go shine a light down from the heavens, say, go to Nineveh. Like, what kind of calling do they need to be looking for or explain how that works? Um, I, I I got some really, really good advice from, from Bobby Greer uh, several years ago, and, and a lot of students may know Bobby. I mean, him and... Tammy and, and their family have been missionaries over in North Africa um, for several years. And, and Bobby and I were having breakfast. This was before we moved overseas. We were praying about about going. And, um, you know, I was kind of saying, I kind of feel like God is, is, is leading us in this direction. And, and he gave me some of the best advice that I think I've ever gotten. He said, if you'll just take the first small steps of obedience— and just watch God open door after door after door. And so, you know, for for the student that's considering, I think God may be calling me to go on this mission trip, your first small step of obedience may be calling Mark Harrison's office to find out more information about it or going to an information meeting to find out a little more about it. And then you get there and go, okay, God, I did this. Now now what's the next step? And, and you just continue in those steps of obedience I'm I'm a firm believer that if we're if we're walking by faith, um, and we are we are close to God in prayer. I mean, we're taking everything before Him in prayer. Um, I'm a firm believer that He'll open doors that need to be open, and He'll close doors that that need to be closed if we're obedient. And so, I guess my advice would be if that if that's something you kind of feel God leading you to do, that first small step may be talking to your parents about it. You know, hey, this is what I feel God doing, and and then just see what He does from there. Okay. So there's a lot of students out there that they're scared of talking about the gospel. They will talk about literally anything else except the gospel. And I used to be that student. So how do we begin to share the gospel with someone? Um, I I think there's, I I finished a book recently. um, It's called Gospel Threads by, by David Platt. And he talks in the book about how there's two main reasons um, that we are uh, that that we don't share our our faith more, um, and, and it's it's fear of a that, that we don't know enough, right? We we talked about that earlier. I, I just don't know enough to say. I don't feel confident enough in my faith, and and I won't have all the right answers. And b there's fear of rejection, um, and so I I think the the, the or, or fear of, fear of being awkward. Let's let's put it that way because. 
let's face it, if you walk up to a kid at school and, and look him in the face and say, without Jesus, you're going to hell, things get awkward real quick. And so sure. we, we, we tend to avoid that. I, I, I think that the... The most effective way um, to share the gospel is is to, to form a relationship with somebody and and really just get to know that person, get into their life. Maybe it's a a, a kid at school, maybe it's a, a friend, you know, maybe it, what neighbor, whatever the case may be. But but really, um, you know, when we were overseas, it, it really uh, kind of served us well. If, if we were involved in somebody's life and they knew we cared about them and they knew we loved them and we were pouring into them, they were much more likely to hear what we had to say. And they were much more likely to, um, to listen to us and welcome the message that we had rather than if we just walked up to them and out of the blue shared the gospel. That being said, um, it's God that does the work. And so, so our, somebody's salvation is not based on how good our gospel presentation is. I mean, we can walk up to, to, to somebody out of the clear blue and share the gospel with them, and, and God can soften their heart. So, so I think it's, it's, it's important that we understand that um, it's God that does the work. Uh, we're just the messengers, and so we, just, we share the good news and then let God save those um, that he softens their heart. So to close this off, how can we get better about talking about students here? How can we get better at being intentional to sharing the gospel? Um, I mean, I, I think you, you just kind of answered the question there. Just, just be intentional. I mean, it's it's not easy. I mean, I I would, guys, I would hate to be a student right now. I would hate to be a middle school student right now. I would hate to be a high school student right now. I'm I'm pretty old. I'm 40 years old this year, um, and I can tell you, when I was in high school, we didn't have near uh, the the things that we had to go through that you guys do, and so. I don't pretend for a second that it's easy to be a Christian um, in high schools or middle schools today. I know it's not, um, but I, I think uh, we've just got to to get to the point where we say, you know what, I don't care what other people think about me. I don't care um, how I'm treated at school. I know that 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 Jesus uh, is the only one worthy of our worship, and I need to tell people that. And and so we, we have to be intentional about it, but we also have to be bold about it and just get to a point where we say that His glory is more important than, than what people think about us in our local schools. Well, Josh, man, thanks for being a guest in our podcast. We appreciate you coming. Uh, I guess we'll see you guys later.